Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And now on the World Service, exclusively by From Dial Square to Where, it's time for Mesut. Ireland. Discs. Honestly, during the game, I didn't see it. Hello, good evening. This is from Dial Square to Wear. Mesa Island Discs, a very, very special episode. I've got some great guests on tonight. In fact, if I was Harry Redknapp, I'd say t- t- three top, top guests uh, <laughs> on tonight. And uh, one of them, Tayo, is running a little bit late. He's going to be on with us in a few moments. But I'm absolutely delighted to... Um, introduce Francis Leach first. How are you, Francis? All the way from Australia, Hello, Melbourne. Man. Yes, good morning here from uh, from Melbourne, Australia. How are you, Andrew? I'm very well indeed. And I don't know whether you've met uh, Bernard yeah. Butler before, Francis, but Bernard, how are you? No, I I'm good, thank you. How are you? How are you all? Very, very well, thank you. And I'm delighted to have you on. So yeah, Francis, Bernard, Bernard, Francis. Always like to do the introductions. It's very polite, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Please, <laughs> Francis. Yeah. yeah, I know you work well. I'm leaving with you. Well, the great thing is we've got football back tomorrow, which is you know, it's there's obviously more inter- important things going on in, in the world than football, but it's also nice to have something just to take your mind off all the awful things that are going on in the world as well. So it's nice to have that distraction just to take your mind off it, even if it's just a couple of hours here and there throughout the week. So, what a better way to have the restart of the football than a great show like this tonight with you with some, some great guests we're going to have a lot to go through we're going to be uh, going through the Mesa Island Discs questions um, which I sent you all across earlier I say we'll go through and talk to you a bit more individually as we're giving you your answers but I'm going to get started because we've got to say an awful lot to get through between the, the four of us I'll go to you first, Francis. Now, the first question is, if you were on a desert island and you could take with you one Arsenal goal to watch whenever you liked, over and over again, what would be your choice and, and why? Difficult. Tops up between two. Michael Thomas's goal at Anfield would be right up there um, because of what it meant at the time and uh, just the, yeah. the exquisite timing of it all uh, to win the league in 89. Uh, uh, not, the, not the prettiest goal, but when you watch it, and we've all watched it many times, uh, uh, it just has a, a touch of good fortune, 
a touch of never say die, which is always uh, mm. something that you want to see from an Arsenal team, and a clinical cold finish uh, at the end that uh, that changed the course of the club's history. So that one's right up there. But I think mm. I have to go with Dennis Bergkamp against Newcastle. Uh, that extraordinary guy that was uh, is still probably the one I've watched more than any other down the YouTube wormhole that has been this uh, this layoff that we haven't been able to watch mm, any real definitely. football. Just the, the execution of of that particular goal that is still it just it's it's just baffling how he's able to pull that off mm. the technique and the, the clinical finish at the end. Even how did he know where he was by the time he pirouetted and and, and opened himself up to score? Uh, is extraordinary. He's my all-time favourite Arsenal player, and um, that moment still is, you know, it's the highest quality moment I've ever seen anyone produce in an Arsenal shirt. So I'll go with Dennis against Newcastle as the one that, um, you know, it's ballet in football boots. So that that's the one for me. Do you know what? You, you just literally took the words right out of my mouth. I was, I was just about to say it's almost balletic, really, the way that he did it. And I've never seen anyone do anything like that before. And I'm I don't know whether we'll ever see anything like that again. It, it, within, within my lifetime, at least, it was uh, incredible, wasn't it? And um, yeah, it, it, you say that. How did he know where it was and where he was and what's it? It's just instinct for him, I, I guess. Really, it's just his part of his genius, isn't it? Yeah, it's all those things that we saw that he produced throughout his career that come together in one movement. It's uh, it's mm. like you know, it's like Nadia Comaneci of that generation, sticking the landing on the perfect ten. It was it was absolutely beautifully done, um, and. Uh, you know, and I'm sure he meant it. <laughs> it wasn't yeah, like okay, he absolutely did mean, mean it. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> did mean it. He knew exactly what he was doing. Extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, well, it's a great choice. It's, it's a popular choice and it's a great one. You can't really blame anyone for choosing that whatsoever. Now, Bernard, what's your choice of goal? Well, it, it, this, it's funny... Um... Francis mentions balancing the important, like the Michael Thomas mm. goal, um, versus the beautiful. You know, that's that's because that's often the balance, really. You know, the ones mm. that really pick up, and sometimes against sort of really meaningless opponents as well. Uh, mm. So you kind of met, you remember the Urzel goal, um, but not many, many people remember Luda Goretz. Oh yeah, no, absolutely! What a goal that was! Well, it's such an amazing thing. But then when you mention Luda Goretz, you think, really, what was what what was that? <laughs> I know exactly, yeah. but it's a bit sad that we're in that competition, isn't it? Exactly, but yeah. <laughs> you can only score against who he's he's playing against, I guess. You definitely wanted that to happen at Old Trafford or White Hart Lane or something, but mm. it didn't happen at Ludogorets. But there's, there's moments like that, and um, of course the Bergkamp goal, it because because the, he, he his whole existence sort of seemed to uh, revolve around um, I don't know, just a, a sort of above football in a way that Özil does. In a way, you know, I'm an Özil fan, but. Bergkamp always sort of existed above that kind of level. Like I can't imagine him hanging out with Tony Adams or <laughs> imagine just just wafting in, doing this magical thing, and then wafting out. Of course, not flying, of course. Um, but what so what I'd go for um, the things that stick in my mind actually uh, more recent, and I wanted to try and go for more recent things because they're things that I've actually witnessed. Um, and uh, really, this is probably a, a slightly unfashionable one, but the return of Henri at the Emirates, oh, because yeah. it was a beautiful. Because again, it was just Leeds, and it was what? What even was that? The Carling Cup or the FA Cup? I'm not the even FA the FA Cup. The yeah. FA Cup. It was a, certainly a struggle. It wasn't a good game, and it wasn't something like wow, <laughs> what a, you know, match winning. Yeah. It was really a desperation moment. But there was something really beautiful about the way he came on, and I always felt like I remember being there. I remember feeling that night that he almost didn't look like one of the team in the sense it looked it was like, it was like somebody come out of the crowd like a superhero, yeah. you know, wearing an Arsenal kit. 
and or like a statue would come to life you know yeah yeah <laughs> kind of superhero no, show. i know what you mean yeah he had at that time the beard and his shape had changed you know he's more stocky and you know older and you know a good 15 years older than some of the players and mm. um he just he has that potential and those great players have that potential of, of um transcending and doing something almost spiritual you know mm. And uh, so you have those moments where you have that Anfield winner that wins the title. But you have those moments which just feel sort of spiritual, you know, like, wow, that was just always going to happen. Mm. And, and, it, and the Leeds game was kind of meaningless in, in the grand scheme of it. But it was just something incredible about that happening. Yeah. I, mean, I burst out crying when he scored that goal. It was just, it was just at home. It was early in the morning here in Melbourne. And uh, it was such an emotional moment for everybody. Just, you know, just to see him back and to see him score in that way. It was like a, it was so beautiful. I, I think that's a great choice. He didn't have yeah, many beautiful moments at the Emirates either. He wasn't really, um, you know, that was kind of past, almost past the point. So for him to return and see him run over to Wenger as well. And that kind of, it was a very club moment. More yeah. than meant more than than just beating Leeds because everyone forgot that we were terrible it was very much like a fan coming on the pitch and scoring and the way he yeah. reacted and the way he felt and everything it was like mm. a, you know us one of us living our ultimate dream of scoring a winning goal for Arsenal it, it was very similar to that and it, yeah it was very much one of those ones that made all you you know the hair on your arms stand up because of the feeling of the moment as well. And I think that's really important. Um, the, the, the feeling it gives you rather than, like you said, specifically just having to be an important goal. It's something that means a lot to you and, and how it made you feel at that point. Those moments reaffirm, reconnect fans with why they're there. As yeah. well. And they yeah, remind exactly. you of the possibility of how you can feel, you know, mm. and they also inspire, you'd hope it would, you did, he would be inspiring whoever, God, whoever was on the pitch at the time, whatever striker had been struggling all night, I can't remember yeah. who it was even now. Um, who would that have been? Uh, that time? It was probably Chamac or something. It like was Chamac. It, it, uh, probably, it probably was in yeah. the FA Cup, yeah. yeah it was probably yeah. at that time. And so it was kind of a reminder of what you can achieve and what you can do. And mm. you know, it's a very simple slot into yeah. the, the corner. I mean, uh, about your... Sort of Arsenal sort of fandom, if you like. Do you, I mean, I, I, I presume that it's completely down to your schedule and everything, but do you manage to get down to see many matches? Yeah, at we're, all? Season, we're season ticket holders, and mm. um, and uh, yeah, so I've uh, seen the best and the worst at the last yeah, <laughs> at the Emirates, and uh, which has been a struggle. But I'm a kind of Ronnie Wood of, uh, of, of football because I, I had a, I was hugely into football until I was about until I basically discovered the guitar and then mm. I completely dropped all sport. And uh, through all my teen years, that was just nothing mattered but music. And then um, really I started going again, actually, um, uh, around the time the Invincible. So I kind of missed out great, great moments. And, uh, but, but it's really I about missed out most of the 90s because <laughs> of the, the nights out I was having all the time. Well, but, you know, I was, <laughs> I was a musician then and it was just a different, my world was completely different. But it was really... Oh, yeah. really when I started to have kids, actually, and, uh, you know, and we've lived in North London all our lives anyway, and it was just, well, that's that's just natural. Let's, my kids just wanted to get to Arsenal, and um, and that's when we started again. So so we are real Emirates fans, uh, for, for better or worse. That's our, that's our era. But, um, Fantastic. Yeah, we're season ticket holders, and, um, uh, you know, 
with the pain that that, that goes with that. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. It's been certainly a lot of that, but um, an awful lot of football that I, I never thought I would see at all. Because I, I mean, I became a fan, you know, around nineteen eighty and. Had some awful times in the 80s and, you know, early part of the 90s. And then, you know, when Arsene Wenger came, um, God, I had to pinch myself seeing some of the football that I was, you know, seeing. I didn't believe it was real at one point. And I remember saying to myself, I've just got to take this all in because it's not going to last forever. And some of the football we've seen, we've been absolutely blessed, really, haven't we? I I think the reason why there's been such a reaction from some Arsenal fans to what's been some difficult years is that, Lots of them don't remember what it was like before we turned up. They don't remember, you know, wallowing mid-table. Bruce Rielk was in charge, or you know, mm. the struggles in the, in the middle part of the eighties before George Graham turned up and uh, turned that team into something you couldn't score against. Um, we just got we just got used to being the best and presumed mm. that that was just uh, you know part of the part of the uh, the DNA of the club and football. Um, is never n- never stands still and doesn't allow you to just to roll on without. Um, without having to deal with adversity, and that's what we're facing now. So it's uh, different times, but this is where you find out how much of a fan you really are. Absolutely, yeah. I find that people who I know from that era um, are probably more frustrated than me, in a sense. Um, Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but, um, yeah, there is a sense of uh, more frustration and it's harder to hold on. Whereas um, for me, and also particularly my kids, you know, if you understand what it's like to be at that age, you know, when you uh, there's been a couple of FA Cups, obviously, in the last 10 years. But um, but aside from that, it's, it's kind of all to come. And they, they have a different perspective, which is worth bearing in mind, you know, and that perspective is more in line with with the football that they've that they see around them and, and, and the, the way the, the game is in a general way, you know, the way obviously the money and, and all the other teams rather than, you know, Oh come on! Why can't we bring Tony Adams back, etc.? What you know? <laughs> can we have a defence like that? And so you know, sometimes I'm watching football games, uh, games not just Arsenal, but games from you know even the the nineties, and you just think, wow, wasn't that good? Was it? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Players wouldn't survive now. You know, wouldn't last at all. You know, yeah, it's exactly. A thing altogether. So it's people. It's that perspective. So uh, I'm somewhere in the middle, really, foot on on both sides of it. Um, yeah. Hopelessly optimistic. <laughs> yeah, no, we have to be. You have to be. Yeah. yeah. Hello, Tayo. Hello. How are you? All right. Yeah, let me get some lights on so I can see what I'm doing. So, <laughs> no problem. Thanks for joining us. Right. It's great uh, to have you on. It's great to be here. Hello. Hey, Tayo. Hello there. Hey, um, hey, how are we doing, everyone? I'd cool. like to do my introductions as I was just saying. So, Tyo, it's Francis and, and Bernard. Hi, uh, how are you? Uh, We're just going round the first question about the goal. Yes. The goal that you would take with you to the desert island. So, what would be your choice, Tyo? I was going to ask them what Emlot said first of all, basically, but that's cheating, isn't it? Um, cheating. Yeah. You'll have, to, you'll have to listen back. Well, I'll <laughs> Well,. I mean, the candidates were. Do we do candidates, or should I just get on with it? <laughs> you can do. Of course, you can do. Because there's a process. Like, there's Thierry against Spurs, Thierry against Liverpool, Thierry against Leeds would be Ooh, the closest right. one because I one made of a, those was chosen. Well, yeah, because I made a program about um, the the return of the King goal, basically, which is which, which is which, brilliant. Yeah, 
which is incredible. But because I figured that, and but the one that really does do it for me that like, I could watch forever was righty against Everton. Mm, amazing goal. Uh, well, we know the one, right? But in case yeah, it, yeah. he doesn't, he puts it. I think it's Gary Ablett, isn't it? Yeah. I'm not 100 percent sure what the who the Everton player was actually, but yeah, one way the other and he lifts it, and then he comes in. The reason why that one means a lot to me, apart from it being amazing, is because I was just out of you know when he comes in. There's a there's a blonde guy who for this day I'd love to meet him again. He's got like a really really big tongue. He's sort of trying to crowd like that. If you watch it, again, he comes in the crowd like that. And this geezer is really doing like that. It's got all I remember. He's got a massive tongue. His tongue's like as big as his head, but. He was a slow <laughs> and I'd piled forward and I mean I'm you know I'm three foot seven in heels basically. <laughs> so is my you know is my five foot six arms trying to come over like one well, of my arms are five foot six the arms of a five foot six person trying to come over the top and touch righty but I couldn't make it that day. But I was in the, I was in the North Bank that day, I was just out of reach. Um, as this talk will show, he's my idol, as he is most of us, if you're a certain age and a certain mm. South London. So my goal is righty against Everton at Highbury in 93, I think it is. I yeah. Know, yeah, before I got here, but I'm pretty sure it's 93. Great choice. Yeah, yeah it's a great choice. Now, I'd love that goal as well. He's one of my, one of my absolute idols, uh, Ian Wright, as well. I used to, cause I'm from South London as well, from the Lewisham area. Right, right. Okay, my sister... Because he was from, obviously, Norwood, and my sister bought her first house in Norwood, had a, had a first kid in Norwood, and uh, I used to, and then I moved to Croydon um, for the last few years that I was down there, and um, I used to see him all the time, driving around. At the time, it was um, a convertible Mercedes he had, and he used to drive past the hotel where I was working at at the time in South Croydon, and he used to see him quite often, and shout, oh, right, 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 and, all this, and he used to always give me a smile, thumbs up, and wave at me as he was driving past. What legend. This is the thing. I mean, he's, <clears throat> he feels like everyone's, right? He feels like, yeah. he feels like everyone's, and, and after he stopped playing for us, then the rest of the, you know, the rest of the country got to share him through match of the day and the rest of it, but he's ours, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and and if you're like say if you're of a certain age, I'm from South London. Um, I, like, and we had a few South London gooners at that time. Like, um, I mean, Michael Thomas, Paul mm. Davis, Rock, Rocky, of course. Rocky, of course. So it just really just you connected me in such a way. Um, and in fact, he's going to come up again later on. So I'll just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Francis, I'll move on to you for the game. What game would be your choice? To, to keep forever? Yeah. No, to, yeah, to be able oh, to watch whenever you liked on the desert island. That's such a difficult choice because, as we all know, having lived through so many great moments in, in the club's history in the last 30 years, but I'm going to go a bit like Bernard for, for one that came a bit later, and that was the FA Cup final win over, over Hull City. And yeah. the, 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 our first trophy as a team at the Emirates, because that was the biggest emotional roller coaster of all time. Yeah, uh, conceding those two early goals, oh, it is, it's, it's happening again, and I cannot believe that we're falling apart on the big stage. And the third one, which should have gone in, it was clear off the line. I think it was, it was a Kao Clichy that was, that was back. Was he? Well, he might have been playing for us at that stage. We got one cleared off the line right in the 15 minutes in. Um, it could have been mm. the third that would have ended it. 
um, and sitting there, and that came in. Uh, the FA Cup used to be a Saturday night affair in Australia, a Sunday, early Sunday morning, one AM, and now they've pushed it back to, to late on a Sunday afternoon in the UK. So like early Monday morning, so you have to really want to be up to watch it and sitting in your your, your lounge room watching it on your own because everyone's asleep. There's nothing more desolate than conceding two early goals when you're sitting there on the couch with a cup of coffee going, what am I doing with my life being awake at 4 a.m. watching this? <laughs> um, but the comeback was exquisite. Uh, the the, 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 the Santi goal was superb. You want someone to execute in, in a difficult moment uh, to produce that, to give us a lifeline. And to go on and win that game and just take the monkey off the back a little bit uh, for the team because it was such an important moment. If you remember the 2011 uh, loss to Birmingham, the calamitous uh, goal that was scored at the... Uh, at the, uh, at the it's got to be one there. of the ones oh. right up there for the next category. Yeah, it probably is. But that just sort of... It was off the back of that, you know, there was a lot of talk at the time that we'd never win another trophy, uh, moving to the Emirates and whatnot. Um, it was just such a beautiful win, considering where it was heading early on. Um, not the not the most historic win in the history of the club, um, because we've had bigger ones and more important ones. But it was just a relief. I was just thrilled for the boss because he's been through so much, and I think we still are just understanding now how important his legacy is to our football club because of how difficult we're finding it now that he made it look easy qualify for the Champions League year in, year out with a, with a handicap of uh, restricted budgets during the rebuild of the club after the move to the new stadium and the financial restrictions and the change in the economic circumstance in football where uh, the super, super rich clubs uh, with the oil rich owners and, uh, and whatnot mm. were uh, changing the economics of what it took to run a football club. He somehow managed to keep us very much at the top of, of football's um, food chain for a very long time. So that was a really special day for me. I, 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 when that highlight, when the highlights come up, that, uh, and they often do when you're sort of you know, kicking around on, online looking at uh, old footage, um, that's the one that gives me the most pleasure. It, it's, I think it's got one of the most underrated FA Cup mm. final goals of all time in it as well. That free kick by Casola is just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. That was, that it was never gets spoken moment. about. That was going to be high up on my list, actually, because all the goal, I couldn't remember which final that was. Uh, so I'm glad you mentioned that because he, I, what I remember about that is so beautiful, but he almost couldn't celebrate it because it's like, come on, let's just get on with this. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Scored such an amazing goal in a cup final at Wembley and then have to just, just pick the ball out and just get on with it, you know? Yeah, I know. Let's move on to your choice now, then, anyway, uh, Bernard. What, what is your choice of match? Uh, I mean, the game would be um, Barcelona at the Emirates. Oh yeah, it's yeah, kind of unthinkable, right. really, and it was—it's unthinkable still, <laughs> and uh, it was at the time. And uh, again, <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. What the what the hell was that guy? That was just the funniest player, wasn't it, for a couple of years? Yeah, just, he's very—he he was a weird so, guy, yeah, because he, he personality, he so much talent, but he—that's a strange talent that that seemed to. Um, Iggy, I'm doing a podcast. Uh, darling, I'm doing a podcast. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, I'm live on the internet, you know, etc. Who asked me? Anti Cazorla is watching this right now. What's he thinking? <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think um, the, Bar yeah, the Barcelona game, it was kind of improbable. Um, let's face it, we weren't going to go and win it at their place. We weren't going to win the Champions League. But it was just one of those improbable, amazing moments. And also as a game, um, it was quite a toil. And mm. it was clear that God, mm. the Barcelona were ahead and they were the better team in the first half. And uh, it just seemed 
it's one of those strange things where I remember, I remember being there and I remember feeling they had just sort of eased off and just, it was a little bit arrogant. They just sort of seemed to think that this was just easy and this was just going to be go their way. Like, you know, and, and just a couple of amazing things happened. Well, first of all, the Van Persie get a goal, which was a really odd goal for a really, really difficult mm. angle. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. I remember mm. striking his left foot at a really improbable angle where you thought, wow, I'm amazed he even tried that. <laughs> you know, he could have squared it, but he didn't. He, he mm. shot. It's an amazing shot. Um, but then our Shavin, yeah, for that to happen, it was just sort of, wow. He, was, <sighs> he epitomises the word enigma, doesn't he? I think our Shavin. He had so much mm. quality and talent, but he was just so, I don't know, he was just completely led by mood, by the looks of it. He, he was just, uh, yeah, I, I can't describe it better than enigma. He was just in and out. He just... Uh, Changed. Well, there was a big character there, a very odd, yeah. very funny character, wasn't he? Almost yeah. cartoon-like. Yeah. And um, remember, he had the great was it the Euros or the World Cup just before that? Um, yeah, the World Cup, I think, the, wasn't it? Yeah, where he was the sensation, so. and um, and he scored. Uh, was that was it the hat trick at Anfield? Four. Yeah, he scored four. Four. Yeah, four. Yeah, four. And, yeah. It, and all of those kind of that, that story was just like wow. This is good, you know. One of those, just <laughs> out over, you know, and uh, and then he does that, and then it just stopped. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was just random, wasn't it? He, yeah, it just. Uh, I don't know what happened after that, but um, he was quite a character. I really enjoyed watching him, and it felt like the shape. He had that that great shape where Messi looks like that. He always looks like he's on wheels. I always think Messi when I've seen. He's sort can't see his feet moving. They're sort of gliding along. You know that kind of low. Center of gravity, as they call it. Yeah, uh, exactly. Oshavin had that kind of shape as well, where he seemed to zip around. And uh, but yeah, again, one of those sort of um, big moments where you can just say, I just remember going. I just remember it being extraordinary. And I remember thinking as well after we scored, it felt like Barcelona gave up as well, which was also really mad because they were obviously in, that team was incredible at the time, and um, and they could have come back and they just didn't bother. No, well, they've got a history of that, really, haven't they? Mostly against Liverpool, unfortunately, well, exactly, not yeah. against us, yeah. which is a bit of a bummer. But it's been a good, a good moment that you just knew that you were going to go away from there, just thinking, well, <laughs> it's probably not going to happen again. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's one of those been, nights, wasn't it? We probably got beaten by Stoke on the Saturday. And, uh, well, that's that'd be typical Arsenal, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah I can't remember the, the result after that, but it wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me. That was a rare feeling. That was a rare feeling that game, Bernard. You're right. Um, I just remember, like being drunk or anything else. Uh, they're not kind of show we're talking about. It's a family show, but there's um, no, just... it's not. All right, All right. You, you go ahead. Uh, whatever. Right. <laughs> You're out waving or a little bit. There's, there's there's just a moat or a bit high, and then there's just a moment. I just remember after after that game, just sitting there after the Barcelona game, just sitting there, just going. I'm like, it, it, it could be this good. It was such mm. a serene, still moment of like, it can be this good. And we'll come on to the boss and everything else later on. But that goal, mm. it's, a, it's a beautiful, it's a sweeping move. You know, uh, Fabregas, is, I think, takes it just part in, in the centre circle. And like, it's a beautiful move. It's a be And yeah. I was thinking, this is what, this is what, was supposed to happen this is what it was supposed to be this is what second stage or third stage whatever one we're up to that's what that arsenal was supposed to be like yeah. you know with that we were supposed to play like this with our little diddy men who are 
this good, right? And it just felt like a moment of you could see what we've been trying to achieve at that very moment. And people are going, you know, all right, but you didn't win anything. And, and it's those bits as a fan where you just stop for a moment and just go, hold on, this is what we've been trying to get to, you know? Just for a moment, it felt brilliant. It felt, I wouldn't say invincible because we've done that, but it felt very still and brilliant. So that might have been one of my ones. Um, I, I figured that one would go. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that one would go. I've been toying with a couple of um, I'm trying to toy with which of the five twos are my favorite. Um, but the desk moment, um, would make that one my favorite. But the goal, the match that I have gone for is another one which means a lot because I was there. Thing is, the age that I am, 44, um. 1989 happened to other people. Yeah. Right? And it's not my triumph, if that makes sense, as an Arsenal fan. But 98 is. 98 May. So I'd say the Everton game in 98. Because... Incredible. Because after the, you know, after the run we'd been on, which started at Old Trafford um, and over Mars, all the way down there. And I knew I had a ticket for this. And this was going to be my first championship because as I say 89 happened to someone else and I love it and the TV experience was great but I was 14 I was a 13 at the time it happened to someone else it's incredible but for that when I think Billich is a Billich home goal first of all and then Overmars just races away makes it 2-0 and then you just knew even then that it was going to be a procession and little known fact well, it's not a little known fact because it happened but a little known remembered fact so Christopher Ray started that game. Christopher Ray, we had Christopher Ray and Elka up front for that mm. game, um, which made me laugh. That we won the we won the league with Christopher, who played a brilliant part in that running. By the way, I think he scored he the, did, yeah. the Wimbledon one nil. Yeah. But, um, but of course, the most significant thing about Christopher Ray starting is that Christopher Ray came off, and Steve Bowles came on the midfield maestro who put through TA for <laughs> all of my the goal of just the goal of my life. And I spent most of that season in the North Bank, I think. Yeah, I was in the North Bank most of the season, all the North, yeah, sitting in the North Bank. And we had seats, me and the girl that I was with at the time um, was in the West End. And I'm convinced to this day, as of course is the rest of the West End, that when Tony Adams turned like that, he was looking straight at me. I'm convinced mm. and no one's telling me any different. And the other <laughs> good thing about that is that afterwards, is that that was the afternoon i'm well we have a dispute whether it was that on newcastle but that's when i met keith dover and alan davis oh wow that that, that day in the in uh pizza express and when i heard the story it, in the, on the podcast if anyone was a tuesday club fan they'll know about the whole she was nice story i used to have dreadlocks bernard if you don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> she was nice i used to have dreadlocks i met alan davis and his friends in the doorway at pizza express we did a little dance he put one of those kind of football fan kisses on my cheek because years later when we were mates we were talking about this alan turned to him and went told you it was a girl i told you it was a bloke <laughs> <laughs> hilarious he just spent years thinking that the girl he kissed in the doorway was she was nice yeah um, hilarious. so for, for loads of reasons that's my game to watch forever uh, it's incredible, absolutely incredible. I was on the North Bank that night as well. That's where my place was. But it was um, just, a, 
so so special. It's just that moment again. It's one of those magical moments, isn't it? That Tony had. I mean, obviously the statue of it. Now, I mean, yeah, it's just incredible. And yeah, if anyone hasn't listened to the Tuesday Club podcast, it's the best podcast ever. It's hilarious, absolutely Bless hilarious. You. Really, really good. And uh, I mean, you're just going on to that a bit more detail. You, you obviously produce so many podcasts as well. I mean, I, I listened to a few. Of the Mondial podcasts, the yeah. um, what's it called? Um, the Giant podcast. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I heard one today, not yet today, last week, about the Hampton and Richmond hmm. Football Club. You you produced that as well, didn't you? Yeah, incredible, incredible yeah. work. Uh, thank you very well, much. That was quite moving. That was it was really quite moving. And did you do the um, uh, the last great rivalry one as well? I did. The Giant. Yeah. So there's Brilliant. one. Uh, it's one of my favourites. I love that podcast. I listened to it about five times so far. Oh, bless you. No, there's, yeah, um, Arsenal Man United, uh, football's last great rivalry. So we made that series, yeah, we made that series giant. Um, really good quality, that is. Six. The idea was like this American life, but for football, right? So just narrative football stories, just like proper kind of in depth. Mm. Hopefully we've done that. And we're just getting started on season two. So um, I'll be uh, boring you on that at another time, yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> I highly recommend that as well. Yeah. But um, I can't, sorry, Bernard, I'm literally transfixed by by those guitars on the back wall there, Bernard. It's just amazing. What a sight that is. Good. Yeah, that's a that's a lineup there. That's a that's a back four. Never <laughs> oh, you know when uh, you know when Tyre was saying about he, he's convinced that Tony Adams was looking at him. Yeah, I've had those two of those moments as well. One of them was you, Bernard. I was I can't remember where it was. I don't know if it was Brixton. Or I can't remember. You were in, um, playing guitar for, for Suede at the time. And you were. I was right at the front, literally right at the crash barrier, right at the front. I had very, very sharp elbows back then. I was always at the front for everything. And uh, you had. You were in such a position where the light was shining behind you. You looked like some kind of godlike figure because I just saw you as a silhouette with the light shining right behind now. you. <laughs> And I was like, look, at, pointing and looking at you. Know, you know, I had one of those moments where I was convinced that you sort of pointed back at me as well. And the, <laughs> and the other, I can tell you that this is the moment you waited for. That I did. I didn't. Actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had the same moment with um, with John yeah. John Squire once as well at, at the Stone Roses, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Because yeah. I, I spent most, uh, pretty much throughout the the entire nineties, I was just off my head, just going to gigs every single weekend. And if I wasn't what going to gigs, I was at the Arsenal, and I can't remember a lot of the nineties, unfortunately, because of the result of that. But um, yeah, <laughs> what a great time! And uh, I wish I, I just wish to God that uh, I've done what you've done. Because is it right you you self taught yourself uh, the guitar from listening to Johnny Marr? And doesn't it show? <laughs> no, it's, I mean, incredible work. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, I, I did, yeah. I mean, you know, yes, sir. Yeah, I learned the guitar, yeah. But, I mean, I learned the guitar from just learning records. I, I heard records. And back in the day, uh, when you bought records and proper records. And, oh, I loved know, it. I love those days. School and brought them home and, you know, fell in love with the records. And then I just, I learned how to play. And that was my instinct when I was a teenager. And um, I put in my ten thousand hours, as they say. Well, know. yeah, I, I wish I had. Because my, I've got savaloy fingers, unfortunately, which doesn't help when I try and play you the probably, guitar. You probably learn a lot more useful things than. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Anyway, right. I, I don't know where we are now. We've got uh, where we got to now. You've well, you're given your game now, haven't I? I've lost the, I've lost track. We've all done. You've all done your game. 
yeah, you yes. want to really want to yeah. forget now. Fantastic. So let's move on to you then, Francis. Let me, I'll try and speed up a little bit now because I know we've got a lot to get through. So what's the game that you'd like to send to hell? Well, there's been a few of those queuing up over the last few mm. years, haven't there? Um, yeah. The two brilliant experiences still linger in my memory as, as horror shows. Mm. I think the Eduardo injury that day was just so horrific. It was and just, wasn't it? Yeah, just so awful. And the impact it had on the players around him. I mean, I particularly after, that year. Yeah, well, the, the, I think we lost it that day when, you know, that, that happened and then William Gallas, that was the day that Gallas sat on the pitch and, and frustrated and, and moped when he needed to be the captain and get up and, and, and take control of things. But that one sticks with me because that was also off the back of the Ramsey experience just previous to that. And it just felt yeah. like we were – and teams were coming out to kick us and that we were being hunted down that way. But the, that injury that day was awful. Uh, the – off the back of that, there was the you know there's a couple of other ones like the, the Carling Cup final as well, the League Cup final against them as well. But the one that sticks out that I just I literally hated football the day that it happened was the the eight two loss to Manchester United um, in 2011 at the start of that yeah. season. We look yeah. we I, I don't think we um, virtually recruited anybody to join uh, the club or there was hardly anyone coming in, and we went up there and it was just before the close of the transfer window. We we're crying out for players to come in. And they spanked us eight through, and we looked hapless and horrible. We had no defence. I think it was, uh, you know, Johan Giroud and Laurent Kishelny and all that defence, and Armand Traore, who um, he, he just looked like he didn't want to be there. And it was just awful. It was, you know, and, and, you know, Taylor talked about the great rivalry that it was. And I know we'd had a 6 2 result up there in the midst of that as well, which wasn't so great. Uh, we could write that one off as a. As a you know, just a bad, a really bad day, but this felt like the start of something worse, and it was just abysmal. And I hated it. Yeah. Uh, enough, I mean, it was the start of a new dawn then, because I think soon after that, that same week, uh, Michael Arteta, as well as uh, Pierre Mertesacker, like two people who are now central yeah. to the football club, came to the club late on in the transfer window and, and at least righted the ship a little bit so that we, w- we were once again able to stay within Champions League reach and what. Not. But that day it was just a horror show, and they lauded it over us. And Ramsey, uh, um, Rooney, I should say, um, you know, scored a hat trick. Uh, he, t- t- you know, he scored his first ever Premier League goal against us. He just kept on scoring his entire career against us. Um, it was just the worst, the worst. Put it in the bin, yeah. set it on fire, and roll it down the hill. I never want to see it again. <laughs> yeah, that was my choice as well. Uh, <laughs> I, I hated. That I absolutely hated it. It made me feel so miserable for ages as well. Literally, well, it still does. That's the that's how bad it was. Yeah, and uh, there's Bernard. A, there's sorry, sorry. Yeah, you just uh, here in Australia because we do uh, we watch it in isolation alone at weird, weird times. So, you know, you, at least if you're in the crowd or you're with people, you can sort of share, carry the load. But often you're just sitting here going, "What is game?" You know, you just have to internalize all the. All the frustration and and, uh, and disgust, and then sort of you know crawl back into bed at six a.m. and the wife will say, "Oh, what happened?" You go, "Don't talk about it. Don't talk about it." I, I think I was still I was still cowering in the corner of the shower at six a.m. like trying to wash it all off me. I think to be honest, trying to clean, <laughs> scrub myself clean after that watching that. Anyway, Bernard, what was your choice for the uh, game you'd like to send to hell? It's funny Francis mentions uh, you're being far away and the time difference and stuff. They're, they're, well, this isn't my worst one, but um, but it's I, I I remember being in Tokyo 
um, a couple of years ago. And because of the time difference there, we were playing. And the only way you can find somewhere is to find the British pub, you know, in <laughs> which is always slightly ridiculous place because the because the buildings, you go into buildings that look like offices or something and you go up a lift and then suddenly walk in and there's oak panels everywhere and flipping chips. And you get these British pubs in the centre of Tokyo that do this, and uh, it's such a weird thing. And so Japanese couples eating fried egg and chips um, <laughs> and, uh, as a kind of delicacy. But I remember going with a friend uh, and uh, and going to the, um, finding the good the West Ham game, and uh, it just falling apart. And it just been uh, it was a couple of years ago now, and I think I can't remember exactly the result. I think we may have lost. It was West Ham away, but um, it was just so farcical because of the time difference and the surreal um, setting. Mm. I was thinking, uh, in some ways, when you've got that weird time zone, it sort of takes you away from the misery. Um, but my, my probably my most miserable, uh, miserable one in a in a weird way is um, that sticks in my head. Well, there's Olympiacos recently, which was truly, truly surreal and and just you know distressing, and mm. um, and of course the Birmingham uh, League Cup as well. But what sticks in my head is a couple of years ago, I made this the really, really had the really dark idea to head to the Hawthorns on New Year's Eve. I just thought, that would be a brilliant thing. I hate New Year's <laughs> Eve anyway. I, ha- I hate the whole, I'm just not a New Year's Eve person. I don't really care. No, and um, to, to, to find some extraordinary things. So I thought, yeah, let's do that. Hawthorns, that's going to be great. And you know what? That's three points in the bag. Come on, that's going to be easy. Of course it is. <laughs> and um, forgetting, of course, that we've been to the Hawthorns the year before as well and suffered a similar misery. And um, yeah, it was a rubbish game. Mike Dean was refereeing. I mean, no, it says it all. and Mike Dean was refereeing, you know, yeah. and uh, and uh, I think Kieran Gibbs was alleged to have handballed it off his knee or something mad in the you know the 90th minute penalty, and it wasn't actually a loss. It was it was uh, we did, we did draw in the end, but it was just such a depressing game. And especially <laughs> that period, it was at that time when just we could not win away, and we, nothing would go right. Um, the fans were so agitated and just things just just felt felt slightly unfair, which is really selfish and really stupid as an Arsenal fan because generally things are not that bad. You know, they're really not that compared to the West Brom fan, you know. And uh, and you really get a feeling for that when you go to somewhere like uh, the Hawthorns and, uh, you know, with, with the greatest respect to anyone who lives around the Hawthorns, it's not that beautiful around there. You know, it's just off the motorway and, and it's, and it's grey. I remember in a grey day, and uh, for the West Brom fans, it meant absolutely everything. It was the most beautiful thing that could ever happen. <laughs> a London team crawling up there thinking, you know, they're going to get, get one over. And so, yeah, I, I, that's just, just a really sticks in my memory, quite a recent one. And of course, then you've got a three hour drive back to London um, on New Year's Eve. You know, yeah. just thinking, wow, why did we do that? Why? All I'm going to get is when I get home, why did you bother doing that? Yeah, I know. I got so many nights like that. So many. It's one of yeah. those. It'd be like, why did you? Why did you put yourself through that? Um, yeah, I know. I know. Moments. But then the next the the next game comes along and everything's forgotten. And then just before kickoff, you think you know everything's going to be turned around from that moment on. <laughs> when you're watching that game, everything's going to be great now. But all yeah. you, you're, uh, oh, dang, it's weird. Uh, but do you, um, Tyo, but you, uh, do you DJ most New Year's Eves? Yeah, well, you, well, I used to in the old life, yeah. I mean, these days, mm. you, you don't know, do it no more. Uh, yeah, these days, not so much. But for, for 
about 15, 20 years, yeah, 15 yeah. years. But look, I mean, it, it was a laugh to start with because I got to travel um, a lot like, you know, burned in a band kind of thing. It's fun traveling. Um, <clears throat> then it's a bit of a nose, but it pays for January and February and March. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now I play in the pub down the road, which is my local pub, which is The Gun. And I have the best time was that like, I can walk home and then and I play with my mates. Uh, this goes so yeah we got there that way but yeah as far as Arsenal going to wipe the mystery yeah this was the easiest one Leeds, Leeds 99 no fucking question like Leeds um, again if you've heard me rant before then there is no game that I hate more than the 1-0 um, at Ellen Road mm. O'Leary being a prick on the sideline probably when it was that season when he was like probably just desecrating his entire Arsenal memory by being a pain, picking them all up here. Cabadilla Wara hitting the post for fun. I've gone up there. I didn't... It, put, it, it was at the early days of my... I used to go away a lot more and um, my mates will take the piss out of me because I'd never go anymore. And I went up with... Um, I went up with DJ Giles Peterson. <clears throat> oh, right, OK. Driving up there, gave me a call on the day, said, do you want to come up? And I was really excited. Like, I mean... He's, he's more of a friend now than he was then. We were getting friends. Obviously, we were music with all his friends, and it was great fun, getting really excited to go away with one of my mates who's also a big Arsenal fan, and we were about this close to winning the league. And then Nelson Vivas came off the bench, let Hasselbank go, and I will never, ever, ever, ever forgive him for <laughs> that because... <laughs> was the start I hold him entirely responsible for the treble and sharing him and the rest of it it all came uh, from them winning the league that way I just can't get over that match I could go on about it all day no one needs that Burners need to go at some point but that is 100% <laughs> that is 100% 100% the match that I would like to wipe from history I have never got over it I never will the fact that Vivas by the way had the number 7 shirt for a while Oh, that, that was just ridiculous. I couldn't believe that. Disgrace. Only on a par with Galas having a number. Galas having 10, I was just about to say. You know, that is even worse. So I'm done. Yeah, I did, I no. did a little William Galas story. that One of those moments you wish you had again. So at the end of his career, he came and played in Australia. So he came and played in the, the A-League, which is our, our professional league. He played at Perth Glory. So Perth is the most isolated city in the capital city in the world on the west coast of Western Australia. My sister lives there. And and she um she, she lives in the northern suburbs of Perth, a nice part of Perth. There's this beautiful big marina there where you can go and watch the sunset and eat dinner over the Indian Ocean. Perfect. One day I went over at Christmas time visiting my sister, pulled up into the car park, and the car park was relatively empty. Get out of my car, someone pulls up right next to me and gets out of the car to go and have dinner. I'm coming to go to leave after dinner, and that's William Gallus. Like, he's <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> he just gets out of the car, and he's and, I, and I, all those things came flooding back to me, Taylor. Was, was he on his own? Or? No, he was there with his family. Was, oh, I was, right. was going to say, you would have had every opportunity there. No one would have seen you. You'd have been in the middle of nowhere. In the holdings on the advertising. And <laughs> could, have, could have buried his body in the outback. No one would have known. Great white shark off the coast of Perth. There are plenty of them. But it's just one of those weird <laughs> There's no one else in the car park, just me and William Gallas. And I'm going in the middle of Perth and all the things that I wanted to say were building up in front of my wife. She just said to me, get in the car. Wash that, the car. Wash, that <laughs> number 10. Wash that number 10 out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> of all the places in rural world, I missed my chance to tell him what I really thought. Oh, that, yeah, what, a, what an idiot he is. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's uh, so many that I'd, I'd, I'd like to, to send to, to hell as well, but um, there are those, uh, especially some players as well. But yeah, William Gallus will be top of the list of that, one of the top of the list. Um, right, one song for the Benga here. I'm getting really, I'm, I'm so engrossed into what everyone's saying. I'm, I'm making sure that I'm actually up to date on everything. Has everyone had their, their choice for, are we up to date on that? Yeah. I just wanted to double check because I didn't want to leave anyone out. So the song, um, Francis, it's back to you, isn't it? Your song for your the Benga era. What, what would be best describe the Benga era for you? Well, I'm going to pinch one of Bernard's moments and, and pick Suede Stay Together. As, uh, as, uh, <laughs> as yeah, for, for, uh, for Arsene Wenger, um, we it, it did feel like we were all in a long term relationship with him in one way or another. Um, mm. and you know, there were bittersweet moments. I tend to, like most of us now, can can just focus on, on the great things that he did at our club and um, and how he transformed our club and he transformed football. But also that he taught us, and I thought his, 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 his goodbye speech at uh, at uh, the Emirates was beautiful in that regard. He, he taught us about what football could mean in our wider lives and how to conduct yourself with with class and dignity. And uh, and he's such a wonderful person. And you know, it was it was such a privilege to have him in your life every weekend or throughout the week during the football season. It was even when we got frustrated with him towards the end when things weren't working, I was a fierce defender of his. My, my loyalty is probably one of the things that is both one of my great strengths, but at times it can be a weakness as well because sometimes you've got to know when to let go. Um, and I miss him. I miss the attitude. I miss the, the value set that he brought to the club. And I'm hoping that Arteta in his own way has his own version of that. I get a sense that he does. And, and I think that's really critical to a football club like ours that can't compete necessarily in the same terms financially as as the big big dog in the competition and around the world these days but if we carry ourselves with a certain value set and approach to the game then that will sustain us in ways and, and provide for us uh, the sort of success that we want maybe not as often as we want but it will happen so yeah it's such a crucial crucial part of my life for football and lies but just generally because he was always there um and uh i miss him um, and I hope he's, I hope he's happy. You know, it's funny. I just hope he's happy. And he, I, I really hurt me when, when people were shouting at him and calling for his calling for his head on a stick. I, I felt like they were shouting at dad. You know, it was just like yeah, when, no, you know. No, exactly. I'm just glad that when he left, uh, it was just a relief in the end because he's hopefully he would just start getting over all that. I hate to see him being shouted at all the time. All the you know, the toxic stuff that he used to come up against all the time. And it must have been horrible. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, he's human. He's going to have feelings. And I just, I was glad when it was all over. And hopefully, you know, start getting over all that stuff. But yeah, yeah I, I, know, I, I, know I could never brought myself to, to behave that way towards him. I can't wait for his book, by the way. Yeah, well. I think we're all hanging out for that. Definitely. I ordered uh, another one because they just, um, I was alerted on, on uh, Twitter about that, that Waterstones had got some more signed copies. So I ordered another one uh, a few days ago because uh, the one I ordered, I missed all the first batch of signed copies. So yeah, I was, I was quite happy to uh, to get one in the end. So uh, what was your choice for that then, Bernard? 
I'm going to go for you're going to make me lonesome when you go over Bob Dylan. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> same, sure. same ridiculous reasons as Francis. I'm glad I'm glad you're as sentimental about it as me, actually, because um, uh, it was um, yeah, it's it's odd how you you talk about him almost like a personal relationship, and that is yeah. really for someone in that position in in any field or in any sporting field, really, but um, particularly in in football at the moment, can't really think of anyone else. Um, anywhere that, that where, where the fans would have that relation you know that that thought process almost like you're saying like you're shouting at dad i like that uh, that, that i agree with you you know I, I used to feel sad when you know i remember moments where i don't know it's somewhere like west brom probably or stoke where fans started um, shouting abuse at the train station or something I stoke, some, yeah yeah, yeah. horrible incident like that and I, I just remember feeling so sad about that kind of stuff and I, I used to feel genuinely when we when we lost or when we messed it up more to the point in those uh, during those later years, I used to feel I used to feel a twinge of just like oh god, the guy is going to be killing himself about this, and um, uh, there was something about it that I just always felt that um, I, I knew it'd be sad about it, and and I think mm. you're going to make me lonesome when you go because I always knew that it would be a lonely a lonely transition, and uh, that as as we all you know we've all got our opinion on on when it should have happened. Um, I don't think I don't think anybody would say now, even the diehards like me, that it shouldn't have happened. So I think we're all we're happy that that, that did happen. Uh, maybe it should have happened after one of the FA Cups. That's probably the yeah, most I think so. Obvious, obvious things. Um, and uh, but but through, but beyond all that, still when it happened, you you knew that it was going to be it was going to be it was going to be lonely. And I yeah. think it was. And I think it was lonely is how it felt for those couple of three years. You know, just just lonely as a club identity, football identity, player identity, and uh, that personal connection. Because none of us, we couldn't look, look, we couldn't even laugh at the sleeping bag coat zip and stuff and all that sort of thing. You know, and and the, you know, standing on having to stand in the stand at Old Trafford and all those mad things that happened, and you know, the, the, and then the and the incredibly articulate and enigmatic press conferences as well. You know, that that sense where mm. you hang on lines that he said and I don't know what it's like with all your professions you know but I think it applies to any profession but certainly with me as a musician or, or being you know responsible for groups of people and trying to direct people to do something but trying to inspire people I found mm. it personally really inspiring I used to hang on the guy on what he said and how he behaved and and the, and the successes and the failures and how to deal with it because I found that in my in my work with music um and, and, and very inspiring, and I, and I think that's because he viewed it as kind of an art form. And however mm. ludicrous that seemed, and however short-sighted that seemed, you know, when you get beaten by Stoke, <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> um, you know, he did have that kind of um, that sort of higher view of things, which is really rare, I think, and really, uh, you know, um, it's really rare in sport, and you, and you cling to those moments. So, so yeah, I think that's that's gonna that's gonna have to be my one. Yeah, great one. Yeah, great. Good choice. Andrew, these two are finishing me off, man. I'm, I'm in the. I'm all up in my feelings. I'm all up in my feelings right now. Well, I, you wait until we, you wait until we get onto the next category, mate. Right? Honestly, seriously, I couldn't have said it. I couldn't. I couldn't have said it any better because, and with the abuse that he got, and it's funny because, and I mentioned it with '98. Do you know, I think the, the song, sorry to cut in, the songs that the mostly the Man United fans used to sing about him. Do you remember? I ain't gonna, I ain't yeah. gonna say, give yeah. the name. I mean, that yeah. was just, uh, oh god, I mean, that was yeah. just horrendous. I, I felt so, so I, sorry for the guy. 
that started with him calling out, calling him out on the on the steps yeah. of the conference, basically. You know, yeah, decent guy, but yeah, I think I'm that sweet spot of, you know, there's a lot of the kind of cannons wrong way around, George Graham, da, 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 you know, and I said before, that was my, that my sweet spot of Arsenal coincides with, you know, my career, my leaving university and getting into my career and my life was that period, right? So that's how I feel about him. The song I chose um, is, well, it's written by John Williams and it's actually half thinking from a film point of view. It's, it's, the, it's called The Long Goodbye. Mm. And the film The Long Goodbye is an Elliot Gould, Elliot Gould, it's a Robert Altman movie with Elliot Gould in it. It's a brilliant movie if anyone hasn't seen it. <clears throat> All the way through it, they use The Long Goodbye, this song, um, and it's different versions of the song throughout the movie. It's a fantastic movie, 1973, Sterling Hayden, um, Elliot Gould, if you get the chance to see it. I haven't but, seen it, yeah, I will do. It's amazing. But The Long Goodbye is um, Raymond Chandler's detective, Philip Marlowe, right? Mm. Mm. And I was reading about it just before I came here, and there's one quote about it, about Marlowe. If you know, Marlowe was a private detective, hated by the cops, hated by the bad guys, in this kind of sweet spot in the middle of morality. And he says, and this is something that was described about the film, I wrote it down so I don't forget. A moral and decent man cast adrift by a selfish, self-obsessed society where lives can be thrown away without a backward glance. Right? Wow. Um, and this, so in the movie, it's, re, it's moved to the 70s in a kind of free-loving 70s um, LA and Marlowe doesn't quite fit in. He's this very moral character in the middle of it. And you know what? That's what Arsene Wenger was. And the maelstrom of football changing with FFP, mm. everything that he said kind of happened. And I know that he was set up as being, he was set up as a clown figure. He was this, as you say, him being in the stand, him with his zip. This is, a, you know, he got he got absolutely effed over by Bernard Tappy in France before he got to us. For all the successes he's got, there's an asterisk about some of his, things have happened to him which, his morality has kind of made him suffer in a world. Football's not made for someone like him to have yeah. that kind of feeling and that morality um, in a game which is changing. So he feels like an anachronism, especially certainly at the end. He felt like this kind of Cassandra layering out the kind of things that were about to happen in football as they were happening around him. So for those two things, it reminds me of Marlowe in, my favorite, in one of my favourite films and the Long Goodbye song is fantastic. That's my song. Yeah, fantastic. That's a great, great choice. <coughs> I prefer the Marlowe one than the uh, Clouseau one. Uh, the yeah, right. but, yeah. Yeah, but I must admit, uh, Ray Parler's story about uh, Arsene Wenger, um, <laughs> when he called it, you know, about the Clouseau yeah. moment, I don't know where you know what I'm going to say. When he, <laughs> they went out onto the pitch and he was delayed because he was on the loo or something, Wenger was. They walked out onto the pitch and... Um, there was the the match was uh, pers not postponed. I don't know if it was postponed. Uh, it was a Wimbledon game with the with the floodlight. The floodlight failure, wasn't it? Yeah, and they came back in into the changing rooms, and um, and he, he he was coming out to the toilet, and he said, "What? What is going on?" And uh, <laughs> and when Ray Parler said, "There is a bomb." <laughs> a bum? Yeah, it's just one of the best stories ever, the way he says it. And it's just the way he said, and also Mingo went, a bum? <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. 
<laughs> but yeah, I, I, you know, I miss him as well. I miss him terribly. I really do. Yeah. Um, so let's move on back to you now, Francis, for your choice of song for the Emery era. And I, you know, I'll put this. I have to put this. I don't like remembering that there was an Emery era. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> trying to block the whole thing out of my mind. But I, I like yeah. to shove it in just for a bit of a comedy moment. To be honest, yeah, I think Era is giving it far too much credence. It was yeah. an interlude. It was yeah. a dalliance that uh, didn't quite happen. It. I, it was such a weird thing. It didn't work. It was. I'm going to choose one of my favourites of the like, cheesy seventies tunes by the uh, by the songwriter Carol Bayer Sager. You're moving out today, which you know. So pack all your <laughs> your pretty boys away. Your forty fives away. Your alibis away. Your Spanish flies away. Your one more tries away. Your old tie dies away. You're moving out today. Get out. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. Well, one of the one of the great songs. Um, it was such a weird time. There was always going to in every sport. I think there's always that the transition. The guy that takes on the job after the guy is never going to survive. It's 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 virtually impossible to, mm. to transition from a, a Wenger or a Ferguson to somebody who can, um, you know, seamlessly carry the, the, the culture, the success of the club forward. And he was he was a patsy in a way for that. Um, yeah, there are some frustrations around that because we could have had Mikel Arteta, you know, we could be three years into the Arteta project now. I oh, know, yeah. Don't, don't, we all, you know, maybe we could have got away with it. Or you could flip that and say, well, thank God it wasn't Mikel at the start because it would have been too difficult. And he, you know, what we're hoping to see emerge from, and we're seeing the uh, green shoots of in the last little while might have been uh, dead dead on a roll because it's just too difficult to do that job straight off the back of of, of someone who's been so uh, dominant force in the clubs for so very long but though that last two or three months of the, of this the Emory era were just awful and that manchester city game I, we didn't talk about that manchester city game in uh in in the the matches we'd want to see a race from here but and and arteta talks about sitting there watching what was happening we just walked through that game um at the end of that Emory era, he he had already gone. But just the fact that we'd been emptied out, the club had been absolutely emptied out by the time that um, he left, and and um, you know we'd, that was a very low ebb. So I'm glad it's over, and I'm glad we've finally got a guy that understands the club in the job, um, and hopefully we can move forward. Knowing people that have worked at the club and have played at the club, uh, like you all do. There's a lot that needs to be changed. There's a lot of attitudes and cultures within the club, within the dressing room that needed to change. And and we know that the, the guy they've got in charge now understands that better than any because he, he was one of the catalysts towards changing it and steadying the ship at a really difficult period. Um, and that needs to happen again. And I'm hoping that that will start to shine through. Obviously, the Aubameyang signing would be um, a catalyst for that. Uh, uh, Saka as well. We need these players to buy into what he's doing. Um, and because uh, the only way we're going to have success is that he, the, the force of personality and the culture of, of a boss will dictate the future of our club because people are going to have to want to play for that person. Well, yeah, we're, we're, uh, well, I mean, obviously, in the next category, we we can talk a lot more about um, about that and what needs to sort of to happen, really, but uh, and how we're feeling about it generally overall. But, um, I mean, the, the, your choice of song, yeah, absolutely perfect. <laughs> perfect as far as I'm concerned. Bernard, what's your choice for that? I'm going for No Regret by the Walker Brothers. <laughs> yeah. No oh, beautiful. No tears, goodbye. I don't want you back. We'd only cry. That's, that's <laughs> perfect. 
<laughs> absolutely. Well, absolutely perfect. I love the choices tonight. Honestly, well, they're great. I mean, as Francis said, you had to have transition. It always goes wrong, but it has to happen, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Arteta, would it, was he in the right? I mean, he's so formative anyway in that role. And even in the role he's with us now, you have to accept that, we're, that he's learning as we're learning with him, you know, as a, as a coach. And would he even a couple of years earlier, would he have been ready? I don't know. Would, would that have been really bad for him as well as a coach generally yeah. and, 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 and his, his um, position with us? So um, I'm not sure that, was, that, would, that would have been a good idea. Um, no, no, I don't really. I, I was being a bit uh, sarcastic. I, I think it would have been a bit too early. I think those extra eighteen months could have done him the world of good with uh, under yeah. Pep. But yeah, you're right. Really, Just, uh, I mean, to be, I mean, it's completely irrelevant. And you know, there's no. But I think the the perfect guy would, in between would have been like Rafa Benitez. Someone like that, you know, just to, just to study the ship for a couple of years. And I think, you know, remember when he was um, in temporary charge of Chelsea and he was getting vilified when he literally had to go out and, and speak to the, the, the his own fans and say, look, I'm leaving at the end of the season. There's no point in keeping on shouting and chanting all your vile stuff at me because I'm going anyway. So just get yeah. behind the team. You know, and he handled that brilliantly. And they won the Europa League that year, didn't they, under him? So yeah. I think he would have been a good choice, really, just yeah. to study the ship. But, yeah, there's nothing we can do about it now. It was a hangover. I mean, it was literally the hangover. You just had to get through it, crawl your way through it, get to the other side and know that, you know, then you could start again. And I think that's, yeah. that's the way, uh, you know, you And also Arteta had, Francis pointed out, um, had to see that in a way, he had to see that Man City game from their perspective. Hmm. Such an odd day. I remember, yeah, I remember so well. De Bruyne was so fantastic that day, and um, I just kind of enjoyed watching. It's one of those weird games when I've, I've enjoyed watching the other team. I thought, yeah, this <laughs> Bruyne, what, what a player! I love watching him. He's great. Um, De Bruyne, yeah, he's unbelievable, isn't he? And uh, and uh, having yeah, so having Arteta on the other bench that day with the shadow hanging over it, hmm. um, I think was uh, was actually you know maybe there was something really good about that. But Emery, I don't know, probably a decent human being there. And probably just didn't couldn't cope. Was the wrong person thrown into it? Um, we didn't connect. Well, him. Uh, we didn't connect with this football. And I, I, I think most of all, the, the players didn't connect. Now, whatever we don't, we're kind of idiots that's, that stand shouting stuff, and we don't really know what happens. You know, on the coaching pitch and and in the dressing rooms, and and you know, we don't know the power of when Benger was at his most charismatic. How inspirational he could be. How he could get the best out of some average players. You know, as he did, you know, some great, uh, some some very average uh, people who we got to second in the league. And yeah, uh, no. how conversely, um, someone like an Emery just loses the dressing room and just doesn't have that inspirational element over some world-class players. Yeah, I know. I so know. That, that, that effect that, that Emery, that must have been bad for him as well. I don't really have any sympathy for him, but, but as a human being... How, what what you when you've got no cards left to play in that position and you've got a, a striker like Aubameyang in your team, you know, and you've you've isolated Mesut Ozil, um, you know, that was uh, just kind of absurd, absurd kind of hangover period. So so you know, it had to happen. Don't regret it, but um, you know, good. Yeah, I know. Yeah, good riddance. <laughs> exactly. I think the last three or four months, I'd given up um, blaming him. <laughs> At all, you know, he he needed to be put out of his misery, didn't yeah, he? Exactly. he was... Yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a big role in the club, isn't there? The upstairs and stuff. What? Why? Yeah, why? Well, no one made the move. You know, my one bit of advice to to him would be stop going out with white witches. 
you know, and hopefully his life might turn around. Um, <laughs> but, but, hey, what's yours, Tyre? Uh, <clears throat> well, a song that I really love from the Low album, David Bowie's Low album, is A New Career in a New Town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I kind of imagine, um, I always think that when I go to a new city myself or whatever, I can just imagine like Emery turning up with his like kind of uh, handkerchief tied to a stick. <laughs> Yeah. And probably not that way because it doesn't feel right. I reckon he came in a South End, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like <laughs> set the tone for his kind of thing, looking around going. But uh, more realistically, there's a Pablo Gaddles, Pablo Gaddles and um, uh, a reggae singer from 1980. You probably recognize, I think the Prodigy sampled him. Like, the, when I used to, when I was a youth, I used to burn Cali weed in Ariz Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, the prodigy sampled on on uh, fire. But anyway, but Pablo Gang, hard times. Basically, that's my song for that era. Fantastic! I can't believe I didn't go for always crashing in the same car from that album. <laughs> <laughs> clown car that was at Emery's Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> clown car. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. What about the Arteta era then, Francis? What would be your uh, song to summarise that? A soul classic by Peaches and Herbs reunited because it feels so good. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was lucky enough because I, I, my my trips to to see the Arsenal play uh, intermittently because we're all so far away. But I was lucky enough to be there in London December. It might have even been yeah December was yeah uh, for the fir- his first home game against Chelsea. Now we didn't win that day. Uh, you were probably there, but um, played well though. Yeah, played really well, but just it was the energy in the stadium when, when the, particularly that first half an hour when um when when the team came walked out and it felt like it felt like it had that trademark feel about what Arsenal were about mm. and we were unlucky to lose that day, but it just felt right. The fellow like we're in charge by someone who um understands the club is passionate about the club and I think he talked to anyone who played with him as captain. Mm. You know, it meant everything to him to play for mm. Arsenal. Um, and he's going to demand the highest, uh, uh, the highest levels of commitment, and uh, and will be exhaustive in, in, in his uh, attempts to improve what happens on the pitch. So I love having him there. Um, I love that he's he has a level of ferocity and uh, and focus that we need. And um, I always admired him as a player. So it's good having an Arsenal person back in charge of our football club. And it seems yeah. that they're finally understanding that with the way they're building the backroom staff as well, getting the right people back there to that understand the club and, and have uh, the club's best interests at heart. I've always been suspicious of when we've had, you know, in the brief moments where you have to outsource your expertise to people who uh, might know a lot about football but don't understand the club as such. Um, mm. So, yeah, I'll go with Peaches and Herbs reunited and um, let's hope that this – what a weird start to his Arsenal coaching career. How yeah, I know. He's had to live through the pandemic. He's, it's, just, it's so odd. He's 10, I, I think he's been in charge of 10 games so far. Yeah, yeah not, I think so. More than that. It's weird, though, it's but him coming down with the, the, the coronavirus uh, <laughs> is something I didn't really think of. But, he, he, I mean, him getting it at that point could have saved so, uh, thousands of lives. <laughs> because mm. that they were going to carry on with all the rest of the um, the matches that, that weekend, weren't they? The Premier League. Yeah, but it's only when he got it that they cancelled all those games. So he saved all, you know, all of those fans that would have gone to all of those games. I don't know how many that would have been in total, but 
several, you know, quite a lot of thousands. And um, thank God for for that, really. But I, I just feel I, like we're in the right hands at, at this particular point in the history yeah, of our club. I think I, don't, I, I can't see any negatives specifically with him at the moment, and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the last, you know. T- weeks a bit uh, has brought really with uh, the time he's he's had with not obviously face to face with the players but with the players um to talk to with, with that time that he wouldn't have had otherwise so yeah. it's quite well, interesting now success might lie on just how much influence he can have in the transfer market what however that looks in the in going into into the future who knows how that looks who knows what the football economy looks like now that we've uh, had this you know, cataclysmic event in all of our lives. Yeah. Um, but it just felt like uh, in the Emory era, it was a bit, bit hands-off and that the, uh, the culture of agents determining which footballers came to our club was starting to creep in uh, yeah. and that we were just a little bit uh, being manipulated a little bit by agents who were the right people for the club. You know, in order to do one deal, we have to accept another. And um, I hope that he has the force of character to get the players that he wants and not just yeah. uh, be sort of Shunted to the sideline as Me other too. people make for him. Listen, can I just ask as well? We were obviously slightly overrunning. Are you all okay just to finish off this last couple of questions, or do you need to get off? Yeah, Fine. great. Okay, that's fantastic. Well, we'll try and get through them as quick as we can. But um, so, what would um, uh, be your choice then, Bernard, for your song for the Arteta? Nick Drake's time has told me. You were a rare, rare find. And uh, just because I think there's a following on really from the Emery thing, the Emery, the, the fact that I feel like it, is, it's, it had to happen and transitions have to go that way. And I feel that um, things uh, that, are, that, that seem obvious at the time, um, actually experience just tells you that um, things happen at the right time. And it sounds all mystical, but it is just the truth of the way that evolved, I think. I think he's a rare character. Um, I think he's interesting as an Arsenal player because I kind of remember at the time it was he came in as the Fabregas replacement and everybody knew he wasn't quite Fabregas and he, he was never going to live up to that. But he did fit into that role really well and had amazing moments. Um, and uh, But he had this very calm sort of authority uh, on the pitch as a player, um, which, uh, which you wanted. You, you wanted him to do well and you wanted good things you know uh, you, you people loved him people felt good about him and i think that's what's come home and come back to us there's yeah. that calm sense of calm and authority and intelligence um but um i probably wouldn't have spotted it at the time and connect and join the dots uh, whenever that was seven or eight years ago but but um, now it feels to make perfect sense that sense of articulation and common sense and calmness and focus um, that, um, that that he sort of projects, and that's that's sort of well, you know, that's always going to work better than going for I don't know someone someone from a random Spanish team and <laughs> taking a yeah taking a well, you know, he was playing out of position. Let's not forget when he actually came over as a player. Well, he wasn't a deep lying uh, player, you know, more of a defensive player, was he? He never was, but he played that role, and he always gave a hundred percent commitment on the pitch whenever he uh, was picked. Yeah. He was very demanding as the as the captain as well. I don't know if you saw. I mean, I love the phone calls that Ian Wright's been making on you know on YouTube. To I don't know if you've been watching any of those. Yeah. And when he when he spoke to Arteta and um, he did he made the phone call to Pear Mertesacker as well. And you know, Pear said when he was he was his vice captain, wasn't he, Pear? 
and he said he was very demanding of him as well when he was um and he demanded that he, he he backed him up at all all times and everything and he he was absolutely delighted when Arteta got the job and I think we're we're in good hands really with Arteta and Per Mertesacker especially I think uh, Per Mertesacker is a, it's a fantastic bloke and him being in charge of the academy fills me full of confidence as well so. Yeah, I just uh, can't wait to see the team he's going to pick tomorrow and how we're going to play. And I just hope that we can, in some ways, go toe-to-toe with uh, Man City and, you know, surprise them with our commitment tomorrow. Always, uh, we, the patience. I think Emery is well-known. He, he had two years to get us into the top four or do something. And I just don't have that feeling about Arteta that that expectation is there and that it's taught you that you need to, you need to look long-term. And, and that's... Uh, experience shows you that um, mm-hmm. the right outlook he doesn't have that pressure and you don't feel like you need to put that pressure on him we had that pressure on Emery from the start all the way through I think I think he put he's the sort of person that puts all the pressure on himself though I think I think that comes yeah. across with him mm-hmm. I don't think he he needs anyone to put any pressure on him because I honestly think yeah. that that would be the case mm-hmm. what about you Tayo what um, are your Arteta song uh, Where Are We Going by Marvin Gaye it was one of the ones <laughs> of an album that was shelved um, it's a brilliant production. It came out years later. Um, producers called the Mazel Brothers, in case you're interested, you should find out. Um, and that's just it, really. It's very, very difficult. Like, like you guys have said before, it's like Arteta's comes in. This mental thing happens in the middle. Um, he's got players. He's got a squad that he wouldn't have asked for. He's got players who want to leave or will want to leave. Um, and I don't know what, I'm glad that we got out of it. One of my other choices was, oh, it's Clay, the only way is up, that version, because yeah, after, after, after um, I just didn't want to go. I mean, I know I'm not, I'm not the only one, I'm not saying anything no one said before, but I just didn't want to go anymore. For, um, no, I didn't. I lost, it, was, it was a chore, wasn't it, watching the team? Yeah, it was an absolute chore. Like, at least, you know, there were beautiful defeats and terrible defeats under Arsene Wenger, and we didn't want those again, but just bored. Just bored, hated going went in spite of myself that comes into you know one of the answers later on um so where are we going now i don't have a clue i'm not I'm not quite excited yet we'll see when they're coming out on the pitch i'm not quite excited about tomorrow is that but i just want to know where what what we are as a club moving forward because we're slipping mm-hmm. away from we're slipping further away from the top we don't know where we are in terms of you know um ownership investment or ideas and therefore we've got a coach who we need a coach now we need, mm. we need a coach who can turn around what he's going to be given because what he's going to be given isn't going to be as good as he's going to want. So can he bring, you know, can he bring a place or two out of them by being the coach that we he seems to be and that every all these all previous players keep talking about? And let's hope he gets the support for it. So so yeah, where are we going? I, I just genuinely don't know. This disconnect from football right now is a very difficult one. But I don't know what the hell is going on with him as a at the club and what he can do. Well, I mean, I'm really excited, not just by, by him, but by the, the academy graduates we've got come through now. And I just can't wait to see how they're going to develop. And I hope they get the chance. Um, I mean, like Emil, Emil Smith-Rowe, who's on loan at Huddersfield, I think he's going to be absolute quality. I'm really excited to see what Arteta can do with all these young guys and Willock and Saka and Reese Nelson and... Yeah, uh, that's what I'm really... I just hope that they can stay with us for a while just so we can, you know, uh, see them grow and blossom 
you know, I just uh, yeah. I think our, our best way to compete is is to to grow our own players now because the uh, because because we can't compete by buying in top end talent, particularly if we're not playing top level European football. If that turns out to be the way, we need to we need to grow our own talent to be competitive again. And we, it seems that there is certainly uh, the capacity to do that. So I think we've got the right people in place to give us a shot at. Um, and there's nothing better than watching you know, an Arsenal lad score for Arsenal. I mean, it's it's the best. I mean, yeah, isn't it no. great watching you know, Eddie and Kenya sticking them away at the moment and. Um, uh, and players like that who've, who've had to work really hard to get an opportunity and to see off uh, the, t- the talent that's brought in to be given yeah, an op- a chance yeah. to be for the Arsenal. And, um, they're, they're, they're the players you treasure the most. Exactly, I do. I do. I know I, I, it's the best crop we've had since the mid 80s, isn't it? I think of, of actual homegrown talent. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where they can go. But what's on to the, well, second to last, really. Last Arsenal question is the film. What film best summarises your Arsenal life, Francis? What would you choose for that? Oh, well, I think I'm, I'm an old romantic, Andrew, and I'm going to go with 1957's classic An Affair to Remember, starring Cary Grant and Deborah Kerr. Now, this film is a beautiful romance film. Uh, you know, they, these two meet on a, on a transatlantic uh, liner crossing from Europe to New York, but they're currently engaged to to other people and after a series of meetings they, they fall in love and they agree to reunite at the top of the Empire State Building in six months if they haven't succeeded in ending their relationship and starting new careers and, th- and to me that's what Arsenal is every time it looks mm. like it breaks my heart I always want to go back to the top of the Empire State Building and meet again meet King Kong up there time and time and time and time again um, if you speak to my family they will tell you that uh, there is you know there's three three people in our oh, to my wife. There are three people in our marriage, and one of them is Arsenal. Um, in the amount of time and energy it's taken for me to follow the club, existence. Um, so so that's the film for me. And the romance is still there. And even though we have those disillusioning moments, like that bizarre man game in December, um, you know, it only takes one fine performance, or you know, you know, you know, the win against Manchester United at home, which I was also there for. Luckily, uh, uh, you know, a couple of weeks later. Oh, I might have been free just a week later. You know that that all the pain a win like that under Arteta at home is it, it sees all the rest of it away. So that's the film that I would go with. Such a sucker for a, a beautiful no, sort great. of yeah. No, that's lovely, epic yeah. story like that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And Bernard, what's about yourself? What, um, what do you choose? complete opposite i mean just literally first one that came to my mind but that says a lot about this choice but the lighthouse which was out a couple of years ago robert pattinson and if anyone saw that is this incredibly harrowing black and white um, <laughs> movie <laughs> and um about a lighthouse who's, um who has a, a young sailor stuck on this island with him and uh, what over the course of the winter and it's just it's very it's, it's it's on the one hand harrowing all the way through and on all these very psychedelic moments where uh, the, the lighthouseman finds himself staring into the light the light in that the lighthouse and uh, and and having these hallucinatory moments and then followed by these moments of pure ecstasy and beautiful moments and uh, but fear anxiety panic uh, mm. that's 98 percent of it isn't it <laughs> and feeling like you're just never going to get off <laughs> yeah that's perfect um, i think yeah. that sums me up as well yeah definitely at the cinema we're both saying was that any good or <laughs> 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 
those films where you're not sure and it sticks in your mind so much you think, well, that must mean it was good, but I'm not sure what it is I like about this. Well, I, f- I felt like that about Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's just like a weird one as well, isn't it? I don't know Fear how I felt about that. <laughs> yeah, Tayo, what, was, what would be your choice? Yeah, the one thing that kept on coming back to me uh, is a film from, I think, 94, sort of 90s noir called The Last Seduction. And it was with Linda Fiorentino, who's basically flipping the noir thing on her head. Basically, she just has, she just blokes, she, she has blokes just wound around her finger for the, <laughs> entire, for the entire film, basically, them doing her bidding. She always comes out top. And I just thought, and I remember, I'm just remembering the the lead, the, the the main the main guy in it who gets wound around Linda Fiorentino's finger, and that's just sort of how I feel about Arsenal. Sort of like they've done everything to me. They've left me on the side of the road. They've like made me happy. They've kind of you know uh, they had had me in the back of their lorry, you know, and I said I'm not that kind of girl, but there I am. I'm not that kind of guy, but I am. <laughs> Um, all of that, and most, and ultimately, because as I always say, football's a cruel mistress. Um, it just made me think of just this. Yeah, I just they'll keep on doing stuff, and we'll, you know, I'll stamp my foot, and I'll see you next week. Really, <laughs> at the end. so yeah, so the you're, long- you're, you're just spinning on her finger. Um, yeah, I'm just like <laughs> I'm just a, I'm just metaphorically a spinning on the finger. Kind said, suffer for their love. So yeah, the last seduction. Yeah, fantastic. Great. I mean, I must admit, the choices have been absolutely amazing tonight. It's really, really good. Really good. And uh, not really specifically Arsenal-related, but it might, you know, it can be if you want it to be, but your luxury item that they always have on Desert Island Discs, what would yours be, Francis? Well, my luxury item in terms of something that I would take with me? Oh, gee. Yeah. Yeah. That's... (laughs) Um, well, I do have. Uh, it is Arsenal related, and uh, it is my. Uh, it's a. Um, it's an encyclopedia that was published about twenty years ago of the Arsenal, which I oh, managed yeah. to get Patrick Vieira and a couple of players. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's it called? It the Arsenal. Was, some... Yeah, I've got it on my shelf up there somewhere. Um, but um, it's. Uh, it was they, in two thousand and one. At the end of two thousand and one, the French national team came to Australia to play friendly, and. Um, and there were a number of Arsenal players in that squad, and I managed to uh, to like like a like like a bad you know pop fan, just like camp out in front of hotels and get my book signed, and meet Patrick Vieira. And I was so in in awe of Patrick oh, Vieira. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that to me is still special. I'll take that and read that and take my happy memories with me. Yeah, don't blame you. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, if there's one person I'd ever want to have a meal with, it though, going back to what we were talking about before, it's Arsene Wenger. I mean, I don't, I'd give anything that I had to go and have a few hours just chatting with him over a cup, couple of cups of coffee or a few beers or whatever. Would you want him on the desert island with you? No, no, I wouldn't want that. Just a few hours would do. I don't just know. A few, <laughs> just a few hours. He'd been trying to fill the boat or something, or trying to, you know, he'd be used to. <laughs> he would have the knowledge up there somewhere. He's like, you know, Rain Man. I think he knows something about everything, doesn't he? Really. Falling over and stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, at least with his coat, we could turn it into a tent. You know, it's that big, couldn't we? And just sort of sleep under it. It'd be a bit of shelter. Yeah. But yeah, what would yours be, Bernard? What would be your luxury item? Probably obvious that we're not an Arsenal thing at all, really. I mean, I wouldn't want to take a scarf uh, particularly. Probably want to leave the whole thing behind, actually, as a memory. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
probably a red guitar, one of those, probably that oh, God, yeah. things, you know, that kind of stick. Amazing. Taxi, it's kind of beautiful guitar that I bought 25 years ago or more. Um, some, felt it was a very luxury item to buy at the time, but actually it's kind of my taxi, I call it, you know, because I just use it 90%, 90% of my life. So probably, it's probably fairly useless on a desert island, has to be said. But, um, <laughs> well, yeah. I'll, I'll allow you the amp as well and electricity yeah. just to play those two uh, items, things. nothing else. Yeah, in reality, yeah, right. reality it'll probably be my glasses because I'm just so useless at the moment. That. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to ask you before you, uh, as well before we finish can you remember who you called the bastard offspring of bob monkhouse i think uh, that's one of my favorite lines that you said and i don't know if you remember who you called that the yeah, bastard offspring of bob monkhouse this thing came up weirdly recently which has took me by surprise because i don't think i did actually say that actually and um it was robbie williams oh, that's disappointed uh, yes what, it was what I did call him was um uh, the valdunican of the 90s brilliant and um and i did say that and i wasn't mean to be rude i just felt like he was that kind of like um you know middle of the road entertainer and i, I feel he was i was right you know he was and he still is yeah. you, know, kind of, you know nothing wrong with that i love it about but um he took great offense at that yeah there was a very there was a nasty incident where he personally was but then about five years later, weirdly, I, I did see him somewhere again, thinking he was going to thump me. And he came and apologised. He said, I'm really sorry. I was, it was terrible. I was coked off my nut. And that's an awful thing to do. And, you know, we're allowed to do things. So I find it really bizarre that recently he he, he, um, yeah, he said something, brought this up about me. I and mean, it was kind of, I can't believe I'm on Robbie Williams' radar at all. Yeah. I know. I think it was... He never forgot. I think it was an interview, I think, that came up a couple of years ago, which sort of made it resurface. I can't imagine and on I, earth that I would mean anything in his world, but you know, I, 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 I don't know. It's a, it's yeah. I'm, I'm flattered if anything. Yeah, but yeah. do you know what that's like, Bernard? And you would have had this as well. You know, like when you've done a gig and everyone else is telling you you're brilliant, and there's one guy at the front who's just like turned to his mate and gone, just one look, and that's all you remember. That's all you take away from. The, that's all you take away from the set. <laughs> He's had all the years of being Robbie Williams, but just every so often he goes to sleep and he thinks, the butler basically called me a wanker, didn't he? <laughs> I'm in his head when he sleeps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's there going, he just wakes up, he's like, I, I wasn't real, I'm Val Dunican, I'm a light in the... <laughs> <laughs> you know what you said though about the being in the front, sorry, no. girls. Right, he knows you're right, you bodied him completely. His entire career is a sham now from when you said that. Um, that is hilarious. The but I love the Valdunia could come. But when you said about the being on the front row, Tayo, it's yeah. Sorry, I missed that, Bernard. I you... I'll take this opportunity to publicly apologise to Robbie because you were. Don't yeah, no, don't. Anyway, what you said about being in the front row, Tayo, reminded me of something else for you, Bernard. Though you, when and this is I saw this and this was you said I think. Um, Swade, well, after you'd left Swade, obviously, a few years, early 2000s, I think they played a charity gig and someone asked you, you interviewed as well, you said someone asked you about whether you're, you've been invited to go or whether you were going to go. And you, and all I can remember is you said, oh, yeah, I'll be there. I wish them luck. I hope they raise a lot of money. Worse to this effect, I hope they raise a lot of money for the charity, but I'll be there on the front row flicking peanuts at them throughout the gig or something like that. <laughs> you flicking pe That was funny as well. Oh, I didn't mean offence, I thought. No, no, I know, I know. Take peanuts at me, as long as they pay their ticket, I'm kind of happy with really. yeah. <laughs> it. 
Anyway, at the moment you're you're working with Pet Shop Boys, I understand. Is that right? Or uh, well, you I have did. Been? Uh, I did. I did. Yeah, I was on one their race record, which is a huge thrill for me because I was mm. a fan growing up, you know. And so it's kind mm. of one of those amazing moments. Like, wow, this is happening! I'm on a Pet Shop Boys record. So yeah, that was great. Ah, excellent, fantastic. Now, what about you, Ty? What would be your luxury item? Uh, it's next door, actually. Um, I should have brought it in beforehand, actually. it's a, um, <clears throat> I got it a couple of years ago when I was in Paris. Um, I went to an event with a friend of mine called Lloyd Griffiths, who's a, a comedian and a, so he used to do stuff, yeah. stuff like that. So he's doing some football event. And Robert Perez was going to be there. So I said, I have to come along and I'm going to stand there and pretend. And then you have to make it look like this by accident that I get to say that to Robert Perez. Uh, so he did this anyway. So I met Robert Perez. And I had a football, I won a World Cup ball, and uh, because I'm a grown man and really shouldn't be swooning over someone as much as I clearly was that day, I <laughs> the ball and a pen, and I asked him to sign it to my partner's kids because it was it's not something like you got to you got to do it for the kids. So can you sew it? So the ball says <laughs> the ball says to Rafi, love Robert Perez seven. At this point, I'll say that the kid, Rafi's never, never touched the ball at all. Because <laughs> <laughs> and it, fantastic. His next door. So when he's old enough, I'll give it to him. But um, yeah, my luxury item would be to practice. If I, if I couldn't take one of Bernard's guitars or one of Prince's guitars to practice, then um, I would take uh, the football from, with Robert Perez's name on it and practice my keepy uppies because Lord knows I'd have time. Fantastic, yeah, that's a good idea actually. And I could, well, it could, but hacky sack could be quite good as well because that would never deflate, would it? I suppose. <laughs> anyway, Frank, say again. Sorry, you broke up then. You can't fit Robert Perez on a hacky sack. You can't fit a signature on a hacky sack. Oh no, you can't. No, no, that's very true. Very true, actually. Yeah, very true. I was just thinking about the keepy uppies. Right. So that that's it then, guys. And I've really, I can't thank you all enough for coming on tonight. I've really, really enjoyed it. Your answers were absolutely amazing. Um, really, really good. And it's nice to be in nostalgia, isn't it, really? Going yeah. through different people's um, memories and what's special to them. Uh, oh, Francis, I've, I've had a, obviously a couple of um, funny moments with, that I remembered from Bernard's sort of past. You were recently on the Ask cast, weren't you? And... Um, I love, I absolutely love the story. I don't think you don't have to go through it again. I know everyone needs to sort of get off, but um, when you met Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins and, oh, you know, how rude he was and what you said to him, basically, and what you did to him in the end, it was hilarious. It made me really laugh out loud. Yeah, I, I think I, 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 I didn't punch him, but I wanted to. I did grab him and throw him out of the studio. <laughs> yeah. Because he was, and I was just, I was sick of dealing with arsehole rock stars. No offence, Ben. Um, <laughs> I'm working at Triple yeah, J. He's not an arsehole rock star. He's a lovely rock star. Uh, he's a wonderful, beautiful man. But, um, yeah, it was just awful. He was just he's de de detestable. You know how you, in that sort of relationship I was hosting the morning program, which is like, like what is it, Australia's equivalent of Radio 1? Although I reckon a little bit cool. It's still really good to listen to. And he came in. I said to the record company, look, don't bring him in because he's got a reputation of being an arsehole. And I said, um, you know, and he doesn't like doing interviews. 
And I said, oh, we'll pre-record it. We'll pre-record it so that, you know, it won't go to like to wear. It'll be fine. He only wants to do one interview. He wants to do a triple J. So he comes in, he sits down, slumps the chair. And I go, oh, here we go. Here we go. So I go, it was around the time of melancholy and infinite sadness. And I said, so, Billy, you've had a couple of years off. What have you been doing in that time, you know, to get ready to sit? He goes, what do you care? And I went, okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, breath. I can't ask a series of other questions trying to make this thing work and I could see the Virgin Records people in the, in the background looking in and they were listening and they, they could see that I was getting increasingly not happy and so I thought I'll restart it again I said uh, well Bill you know I've got a big record question and I reckon you and I might have a few things in common are you a big Black Sabbath and he goes you don't need to know anything about my record collection. I would never sit there and listen to records with you. Um, what does it matter to you? <laughs> and I turned the mics off and I said, you're right, it doesn't matter to me. You know, get the fuck out of my studio. He said, what? <laughs> I walked around and I said, get the fuck out of my studio now. I told these people not to time and you're wasting my time. Up and said, oh, I, I was pretty angry. I probably should have touched him. These days I probably get sued. But I picked him up by the collar and carried him to the studio and just get the fuck out and threw him out. The <laughs> I absolutely love it. I was probably the first person in about 10 years that, that, said, that said no to him. Yeah. <laughs> I just think he's brilliant. I just think I it's fantastic. I still feel good about it today that I finally... That he find, someone finally told him not to be such an arsehole, but I think he's he's got he's worse now. I think he's almost like Margaret Trump's sort of territory when I see stuff about him. I honestly got no idea what he's doing now, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if he had a good long hard think about himself, you know, and look yeah. at himself in the mirror after that. I felt good about him. Don't blame you. Don't blame <laughs> you at all. Well, I would never do that to you. I would never do that to you guys. You love people. I mean, I would never do that to you for a start. <laughs> <laughs> and if I were thinking about it now, then I certainly wouldn't do it now anyway. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, guys. Really, uh, really, thank really thank you for stopping over. We've, we've overrun, obviously, and I do appreciate you all stopping later. And uh, for keeping you at the start. Um, and let's hope for a good result tomorrow. And Taylor, yes. um, remind me of that that, that long uh, that long form podcast you made. I want to be able to hear it. It's called Giant, and it's only uh, it's exclusive on Spotify. It's called Giant. Um, six episodes on Ronaldo when he was at PSV. So it's sort of superhero origin story. One about <clears throat> seven winners of the Women's World Cup, including Michelle Akers and stuff. One about yeah. Arsenal. United, Wimbledon, Nigeria winning the Olympics in 96. Beauty. Uh, some good stories in there, I hope. Did, you you must, must listen to the Tuesday Club as well. Get yeah, it on your playlist if you don't already. I'm sure you maybe do, but um, yeah. absolutely brilliant. Thanks, guys. Thanks ever so much. And I will uh, really hope to, to speak to you all again in the future. You never know. You never yeah, know. Thanks very much for your time, guys. Do appreciate it. Thanks everyone for watching. Um, the yeah. audio version of this podcast is available on Spotify or iTunes. If you do listen on Apple, then please give us a five star review. It would be great to get um, some more listens out there. So thanks very much for your time, everyone. Um, I'm looking at doing a live watch along tomorrow. It's a different one, different type. It's literally just 
a group of mates watching the match with a few beers and there's no we're not going to be commentating we're not going to be sort of analyzing the match it's just going to be real-time reaction and if you want to have more of a realistic you know react um atmosphere whilst you're watching the game tomorrow rather than the piped in music that they're going to be doing on sky then please what you know join in and uh we can chat over the <clears throat> the chat panel as well what's what's going on and you can feel like hopefully you're watching it with a group of mates yourself as well so i'll speak to you tomorrow let's wish for the best possible result i'm confident i don't think we'll lose so fingers crossed eh? take care of you all yourselves and uh good night see you tomorrow